Welcome to the Guitar Omni Podcast. I'm Carl Woolwind of Columbus Classical Guitar. Each episode, we'll chat with a featured guest from the classical guitar world. Candid conversations, unique experiences, and career observations from the people who best know the guitar. This is your master class in life and the guitar. For more information and past episodes, please visit columbusclassicalguitar.com or see Carl Woolwind Guitarist on Facebook. I'm here with Gohar Vardanian. Hi, Gohar. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. It's 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 wonderful to have you. I have to I have to tell you, I know absolutely nothing about you, and that's kind of fun. Well, that's like, yeah, that's cool because then all the answers will be more interesting. You've just been this person that I that I've seen recording really great videos on on Facebook for I don't know. They popped up on my feed. I don't probably about two years ago, maybe. I, I'm not okay. sure. Um, and, and I gotta say, I like I, I am impressed by the quantity of of postings that, that that you've done. It seems like you're you're posting all the time and like constantly. It's great. And I also really like that you kind of you pull the uh, curtain back a little bit. And and I know that like your recent videos have been you practicing. And I gotta say that that takes a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of courage to do that. And I think it's it's really cool. Yeah, I tried. I mean, we always have those polished uh, presentations on YouTube or a yeah. concert performance. And I kind of started with that. I, I don't know if you've come across the YouTube videos, but it mostly started with instructional videos on YouTube, including my uh, own kind of solo uh, playing on YouTube or just like my repertoire. And Instagram, when I first started using and Facebook. So when you see it on Facebook, it's because I put it on Instagram and it automatically okay. shows on Facebook. It kind of started like a casual thing. There was nothing going to be, nothing about it was going to be formal or polished or reverb added or edited. Right. It was basically, it was meant to be life behind the scenes kind of thing. Yeah, I didn't realize well, I was going to get that many subscribers. So it started casually. And because for YouTube, I already make like a production, basically. All the YouTube videos are nicely lit. I'm all dressed up, you know, and it's a, it's a concise either lesson or presentation in a piece. Instagram, I'm using like a background thing and it started with some technique tips. Sometimes it's just pieces, little pieces of me practicing. And I think what you're referring to is the last sort of series I am doing. It's halfway. It's like partially it's for me because it keeps me accountable. And oh, yeah. I'm curious how long it takes me to learn a piece because I always know like, OK, yeah, it took me six months or it took me 18 months. Right. But I don't actually know how many hours specifically I put right. in it. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's an interesting idea. Yeah. yeah. So, and sometimes it's a piece I've been working on in the past, kind of dropped it, started again. This is a brand new piece we're talking about, uh, Danza de los Vecinos, uh, by Manuel de Falla. So, brand new piece. Of course, I know what it sounds like, but I've never played it before. So, I got the edition. I'm like, all right, I'm going to learn it and to hold myself accountable for keeping track. I'm going to share it with people. I think it's a great idea. So, I think, I think yeah, it's a fantastic so basically, idea. It's, um, I keep track of the how many days I've practiced it um, and how many hours I've spent on it, and I'm sharing the progress that I have made. It's like a minute at a time or yeah, so. Yeah. No, I, 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 yeah. I thought it's it's really awesome, and I've, like, I've been telling my students, watch this. You need to see this because you're you're doing you're doing all these really just fundamental things so well you know and 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 i tell my students this all the time i'm like you know you play at this level other people play at at, at another level but the work that we all do can be good work right the quality of that work and how you practice should be the same 
as you know, people who are at the top of the game. And, and I, I, I think, think sometimes is, the misconception is, and I've heard this from my own students. Um, I remember this one particular uh, conversation with a student who was under assumption that's just because I'm already good, quote unquote, uh, or I've, that I've been playing 30 years or whatever, that I don't have to practice. And it was such an honest reaction from her because sure. I was talking about my own practicing. And she was like, wait, you have to practice? And like, I could tell from her intonation, like her yeah, voice, yeah. She was surprised that if I don't practice, I will suck. <laughs> you know, it's like she didn't understand that it's just like so. I was like, wait, so like even when you get good, you still have to practice. I'm like, if I don't play for a few days, maybe it won't affect me that much. But if I don't play for two weeks, my quality of playing will go down. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I might forget the pieces. I will forget the pieces. You know, the the ones that are new, and I will miss notes. And I, you know, because you will go out of shape. But her reaction was so honest that I was like, yeah. wow, these people think like we can just wake up one day and play these things, you know? Right. No, <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's a Or the learning process, point. right? Like they see on YouTube the super polished uh, performance that maybe, yeah, you say like, yeah, it took me a year to learn, but they don't see like, yes, it actually took me a year to learn and be <laughs> able to do it. So I figured if I share it, that when I first learn a piece, I'm playing it incredibly slow and I'm maybe, I don't post the, me messing up every other note because that's just painful to listen to. Of course, like it's still a yeah. video I'm sharing. Well, you know, the but thing is, is I think you, 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 the videos that you put on, you know, they're not perfect. They, they're, no. they're, yeah. There are flaws and, and, like I, and I think that's really great to show that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, There'll be bosses and, again, and stuff. What I meant was like, I'm not going to share the video where I'm stopping every other note because I literally don't know where the next one is. That's just incredibly boring to watch. Right. Maybe in the future I might. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, you, yeah, should, so you should do that like, just to show people, you know, hey, this is this is how it goes, you know. Maybe, you know, maybe 30 seconds of that or something. <laughs> With like, funny faces really and happening. crazy. I basically get it to a point where I can sustain a few measures or a page, sure, where, sure. but I would play it slow enough. Like if I took yeah, it any yeah. faster be able to and uh, I got some comments from teachers um, and other students realizing like the teachers would tell their students to watch these videos yeah, and yeah. it kind of clicked for them that even a professional has to <laughs> practice <laughs> yeah. and 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 the the metronome on the whole time I love yes. it you know, <laughs> I can't. I can't tell you how many times I've told students if you're practicing, your metronome should probably be on. <laughs> the metronome will start coming off when I can sort of play it at tempo, or at least yeah. very close to the final tempo. Of course, I'll start stop the metronome because it's Spanish music. It's a dance, but there is yep. some room for rubato. So as right. soon as I start having to to do that, I'll turn it off. And so just to learn myself to maintain the tempo yeah. uh, myself and not have the crunch. But then, but then you have that foundation built. So it's solid, you know, you can start messing yeah. with it after you have have that that solid foundation built You know when you right? do it without the metronome your fingers decide when yes. they're gonna play oh something And if yeah. I'm trying to teach myself the right rhythm and the right speed and the relationship between this section to the next section I need so uh, you know, yeah, what is it called like a non-involved third party, <laughs> you know like <laughs> All right, This is your tempo do it but yeah. if it's just me, I will slow down when I can't play right, it. Of course. I will speed up when yeah. it's comfortable. So, yeah. even, 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 even players with really good time, it, it gets subjective. You know, it, yeah. it, it like maybe imperceptibly so, just one side of the beat or the other. But like, yeah, you have that that thing they're telling you. You know, that's it's the it's great. I, I think it's yep. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Great. So you, you're living in Queens, you said. I live in Queens. Yeah. And how long how long have you been there? 
Oh, since 98, on and off. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. This is my second home. I mean, I'm from Armenia, but I I was born in Armenia. I lived there until I was just like 13. I turned 13, and about a week later, we we came to the U.S. It was all for school. Um, I came and I went to the Juilliard Pre-College Division. Then I did high school here and and college and and graduate school. Even though I wasn't in New York doing all of those. Juilliard, of course, is in New York. But New York has been my home base even when I was away um, for school and in nine, nine months out of the year, I'd be Northern Michigan for boarding school and, okay. you know, Baltimore for undergrad and back to Juilliard for grad school. Um, and then since 2008, since the gra- beginning of grad school, I've been here year round. Okay. And, and yeah. are you teaching somewhere there? Not somewhere. I have private okay. students. So they're just my students. It's not, I don't teach for an institution. Okay. So you're, 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 you're making the living teaching privately Relax. and doing concerts. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Teaching, teaching mostly, I would say that's like my main, what I would yeah. call the job and concerts. You would have to have a lot of concerts right. uh, in order to maintain a full-time living on concerts. Yeah. And it is classical guitar, and I don't, I don't think, yeah. I mean, other than the most, the legends of our time, uh, who might be able to play forty concerts a year, the rest of us have to kind of supplement, (laughs) you know. And I love teaching, so it's not a problem. But the concerts, they, they're more like the icings on the, on the cake. Whenever, whenever they happen, I'll take it. But it, it seems, it seems like you're traveling a fair bit. It seems like you, you've been. Yeah, it started up again. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, even like in twenty in twenty twenty, obviously nothing happened. Right. <laughs> but in twenty twenty one, I had about eight concerts. Um, That's great. A couple of them were more local, and some of them yeah. were uh, one in Mexico, and some of them are out of state. So. Yeah, fantastic. So, d- did you did your family move from Armenia so that you could go to the pre-college? My whole entire family, no. My dad was with me while I was underage um, when I was here for a period wow. of time, and then he moved back to Armenia. My mom lives in Argentina. She's not Argentinian. I'm fully Armenian. Because um, when I say that, they think I'm half Argentinian, right? So <laughs> she just moved to Argentina, um, I think, 20 years ago? 20, oh, 20, yeah, in okay. 2000. So she lives in Buenos Aires. I visit her whenever I can, uh, and my dad is back in Armenia. Nice. Wow. That's. I mean, that's that's a, that's that's a big deal. You know, you're 13 years old, and and you're moving halfway across the world to go to this this school. Yeah. I mean, thinking back. Yeah, but when you're living through it, it's sure. just like, you know, it is what it is. Um, it was also because of the circumstances of Armenia. It's a, it's a post-Soviet republic. I was, um, I think I was like about five years old or so when the Soviet Union collapsed. And for the first, I don't know, even the first 10 years, I guess, after that, it was a little rough over there to like just to, for people to get back on track, um, yeah, back yeah. on their feet after their whole world changed. And for me, my you know my parents decided that if I if I wanted to do guitar, like we, or if they wanted me to do guitar, I you know it was mostly my dad's choice for me to play the guitar. I would have to leave, like we or we would have to leave because oh there was no really any any future in becoming a good like more like international guitarist if yeah. I stayed in Armenia. And well, uh, how old were you when you started playing? I say five. But reality is probably since I could sit up right because my dad was my first guitar teacher. So he just, he shoved a guitar shaped object in my hands as soon as I could. Um, But five is probably more reasonable where I had some conscious knowledge of what I can do. I don't remember a time where I didn't play guitar or somehow wasn't connected to it or that I didn't have right hand nails. I've had nails since I was like little. So 
Yeah, even when I was little, I know some kids start playing without nails, yeah, but yeah. I had nails from the very start that I, when I started playing. So you, your dad really knew what he was doing, I guess. Yeah, he, he knew what he was doing. <laughs> Is he a professional? He, he used to be, meaning okay. he, he played when he was yeah. um, in his 20s, and, but then he developed a playing injury, focal dystonia. Okay. Now it's known as focal dystonia. Mm -hmm. Back then, they didn't really Nobody know what yeah. it was yeah. in the 70s. Yeah, they thought it was a physical condition. Um, he went a bunch of acupuncture and all of that, um, trying to like fix his hand, but it didn't really work out. But that forced him to really learn about technique, to really... Sure because he thought it was a, he, he did kind of clue in that it was probably a technical issue, tension issue. Um, yeah. So he got, he got really good at te teaching technique on how the hand should work. So it doesn't have tension. So you, you can play fast yeah. and powerful and not hurt yourself over the years. And I was, I guess me and maybe his other students were the guinea pigs. So <laughs> Lucky for you. that was his daughter, like, you know, as, as soon as, he knew um, I had 10 fingers and I could hear and I had some sense of rhythm. I mean, you know, some people are completely tone deaf and rhythm, like zero rhythm, right? So the natural minimal requirements were there. Um, he decided that I'm going to play guitar. So. Do you have any brothers or sisters? I'm the only child. Okay. To some degree, wow. I don't think this would have been possible if I did have uh, siblings sure. because it takes Re so much sacrifice. Yeah. The resources, the sacrifice, uh, if there's another child involved, they have to think about both of us. But since yeah. I'm the only one, everything wow. went to me. <laughs> <laughs> and did, did you have another another teacher after, after your father in Armenia or? No, no in no. Armenia it's from five, from the beginning of time, let's say until 13, 14-ish. Okay. Uh, I guess I was turning 14 um, when I started uh, Juilliard's pre-college division and Auntie Goni Goni was yeah. my first non-parent teacher i just talked to her, her two weeks ago she's she's her episode will be uh coming it'll be the first one of the new year so it's oh my gosh last. that's awesome oh, oh i gosh. can't wait she's to hear it so much fun to talk to yeah i love her she's she's amazing uh, as a person as a guitarist she's just yeah. there is not enough good things to say um so I, yeah i studied with her when i was a teenager basically so that, that must have been around the time that that program was starting yeah, I believe she started the pre-college in 95, and I, I went in 98, I want to say. Okay. Yeah, 98. So I, I did that with her for three years, and um, and then I went to the Interlochen Arts Academy. And okay. So back then, the owner of Strings by Mail, John Wunsch, if you order strings yeah. from Strings by Mail, they're probably mm -hmm. signed by him. Yep. He's now the current owner. But before that, he was teaching guitar at the Interlochen okay. Arts Academy. So I sat with him when I was in high school and I was a little older for my grade because of credit transfers and stuff. So okay. um, I crammed four years of high school into three years so that I don't okay. graduate like a 20 year old. <laughs> you know, so, but I studied with him. So he was my other non-parent non, non teacher. Um, after and that, that was full time, right? I mean, that was during the school year you're, you're at in yes. Milwaukee. Yeah. yeah. So from September to May, I was in Northern Michigan. And then in the summers, I would come back to New York. Or Christmas, of course, I would come back to yeah. New York, but it's a it was it was a boarding school. It's basically like college. You have a dorm room, you have roommates, um, you live there, and um, yeah. And then after that, I went to the Peabody Conservatory, studied with Manuel Barreco for four years um, for the bachelor's degree, and then came to Juilliard, back to Juilliard as a graduate student for my master's degree. So, who who all was in the program when you were when you were there at Peabody? 
At Peabody, um, oh my gosh, there were 50 guitarists. It's a big school uh, yeah. compared to usually like what do you have, 10, 10 guitarists max like right, 10, right, right, for right. a studio. But there were three teachers, Manuel Barreco, uh, Julian Gray, Ray Chester. So mm -hmm. um, there were 50 of us. In my studio, um, Lukasz Gurpachevsky was there. Okay, okay. Anna Vidovich was there for a little bit. She was finishing her artist diploma when I was starting my freshman year. Um, Mia Pomerantz and her duo partner Jorge Amaral was there. They have the Amaral duo now. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Meng Su, the Beijing duo, Meng Su uh -huh. and Yameng were there. Um, who else? Max Zuckerman, Tracy Smith. I'm trying to think of like, yeah, sure, <laughs> there were so sure. many of us there. I'm also trying oh. to think of people who are currently still playing because there's right. there are a few people who became lawyers and you know, they just changed yeah. careers. Uh, who else was in my studio? Maud Laforest, I don't know if she still plays, she's French. Okay. Um, yeah, if I think a lot, of anybody a lot else, of I'll let you know. going on there then. There were yeah. some really good players, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, I mean, what, a, what an exciting environment to be in though. You yeah, know? absolutely. It was the first time uh, where because well, when you're young and you play well, it's easy to be one of the best ones. Because right. just when you're young, there's there's not an, there's not a lot. Now it's actually really nice to see that young players at the level that they're playing, especially in the United States. But when yeah. I was a teenager, I already had so many years under my belt compared to my peers that, of course, right. I was going to be more in a more advanced level just because I already played for 10 years when somebody else literally just started. Yes. Um, so I was always the best one, which is fine, but you don't really learn from being the best one. So the first time when I went to, to Peabody, I looked around and I saw... <laughs> people exactly my age who have exactly the same background as me who did start before you know pacifiers left the guitar came into the hand so yeah. um i for the first time I'm like oh wow okay i guess i need to practice how did you respond to that was was it i mean was it was it humbling or was it exciting or like how did, how did it you was exciting it was exciting because in the past i would always compare myself to like the accomplished professionals which isn't right. like fair and it's also it's a little bit like it's unrealistic because right. these are you know people who have already gone through like decades of playing to see someone that is in the same boat as you yeah, also yeah. playing just as well sometimes even better because maybe they paid more attention to polishing their playing than you did it's it's encouraging i didn't feel i didn't feel like you know bad about it i liked right. it i liked seeing yeah. that um there are people like me that they also need to practice and maybe they're doing certain <laughs> things better than me where I just like coasted because I could still do something better than everybody else. So I didn't practice it maybe as much, but now I realize like, Hey, there's a better way of doing it. Like maybe I should. Sure. So that kind of like really, yeah, it kind of like from entering Peabody and leaving Peabody probably changed my playing the most. Yeah. I went from playing fast and loud without giving any, you know, attention to music, um, <laughs> like maybe actually making music, <laughs> you sure, know, yeah. and polishing the playing. Now, when, when you were at Interlochen, mm -hmm. how many, how many guitarists were in that program? When, while you there were, there? were, the first year there were, there were 10 of us, but that studio okay. was divided between half jazz, um, concentration, half classical. So the, by first okay, year, okay. there were five classical, I guess, uh, some good players. Um, my, by second year, there were fewer. Um, and by my last year, I can't, I think we were only three classical players and one was like half and half and it was more dominated with, um, with jazz sure, um, sure. players. Uh, also, I don't, some of them I think still play. Um, 
can't really think of like yeah i can't think of like who who quit or not but i think some of them played some of them changed careers or went to college for something other than guitar sure yeah the one one of the things that when when i went to do my master's degree at, at, at the cleveland institute i had never been around string players like that before uh -huh. and it was it was phenomenal i mean it was and you know it made what you said about your experience going to peabody made me made me think about that and just like how exciting that was to you know i i, I hadn't been around people that played music like that before ever yeah. in my life and and to hear that and to be around it and be able to go to people's recitals and sit in on master classes mm -hmm. and the whole thing and i imagine interlocking probably was really similar it was kind because of they were all the instruments. Yeah. First of all, you see other teenagers also playing guitar, uh, even if they didn't start when they were five, let's say, but still they were taking it seriously. They, are, they were practicing. But then other, you had an orchestra, it had a band, it had uh, dancers. So there were professional, preparing professional kids who went to school, or teenagers who were high school yeah. age. So yeah, that was already kind of preparing me for that. At Peabody, it was great because there were fifty guitarists. You're not, you're no longer like a minority, right, you know, right. of the yeah. of the school. Um, so it was nice to see that many of us we were taking over all the hallways and practicing in the hallways. Fantastic. You know, <laughs> that's the way it should be. Yeah. And and I'm, I'm delighted to hear that people were practicing. That's that's the best. Yeah, part. and then the Juilliard is the opposite. After Peabody, I came to Juilliard, there were three guitarists. Oh, wow. Out of the whole school, um, just because the department is smaller. And Juilliard right. is a bit stricter in terms of how many per instrument the school will right. accept. Of so, course. you know, I remember, I believe for some of the orchestral instruments, um, they have 10 flutists. And if That's one flutist graduates, only one opening is available right. for the next year. They're not going to expand their size. And I believe five was the limit for guitar. Now, wow. sometimes Sharon wanted to have five. Sometimes some, they, she didn't want, like, whoever was auditioning. So the years that I was there, there were three of us. Wow. I think and, that's, and it's just a graduate program, right? Is there an undergraduate program? No, there is right now? now an undergraduate okay. program. I believe it opened in 2006. Okay. Um, I was already at Peabody when the Juilliard pre-college, I mean, Juilliard bachelor's degree opened. Um, because after I graduated, well, basically when I was there, no one had gotten into the undergraduate program. Because it okay. it's tougher. Like, there's requirements. You have to be at, it's Juilliard. So obviously... Right there is higher requirements to get in as a freshman to, to Juilliard. There is also an English requirement that's very strict for, for Juilliard students. I remember, um, I can't remember like who it was, but very good, at, like good enough to get in, yeah. but didn't score high enough on a TOEFL, on the test of English as a foreign language. Gosh. So there's nothing you can do about it. Juilliard has its rules. It is what it is. You need to get a minimum score, and if you don't, they don't care they, how good you are. Uh, maybe another school would have been more lenient just to get the student that they want, but not with yeah. Juilliard. Um, so that made it difficult because some of the 18-year-olds who are really, really good, they're not American oftentimes. Right. Like, oftentimes they are from Europe because there's an older more tradition. more often than not, they're not American. Yeah, it is, I think it's changing now, which is really, really nice to see. I see so many teach, um, teenagers when I teach master classes, uh, teenagers that play really well, where you know that by the time they get eight to 18, they're on professional track. 
but that's now you know in the past i think you, you started like maybe with rock or jazz right. when you're a teenager in high school in a band and then yep. you hit 18 and you're like oh classical guitar is really cool yeah but yeah. it's too late like you need right. to <laughs> you get into Juilliard, you need to have experience playing before you hit 18. Right. so that's why there was no one in the undergraduate program when i was there but after i graduated there were a couple of freshmen that came in okay. um yeah. bo she just won the gfa she went there oh yeah uh, yeah um ty also uh -huh. won the gfa he, he did an, he did an undergraduate there he did an undergraduate okay. there. Yeah. maybe even he, masters i'm not quite sure i know he's I can't, a, yeah, I can't remember. he was he was here uh 2019 played for the uh -huh. guitar society in columbus it yeah, was, was awesome. I don't know which degree he did, but he definitely did the undergraduate degree okay. before going anywhere else. So there are now, definitely. Right. <laughs> and and you, you, you did a master's there? I did a master's, yeah. I got my bachelor's from Peabody and then master's right. at Juilliard. Great. Awesome. And and you just you just decided to stay in New York because that's, that's home? And... I love New York. This yeah. is my home. Well, this is more my home than Armenia at this point because sure. I've spent two-thirds of my life here. Right. Um, and my adulthood has been all in the U.S. Yeah. Childhood in Armenia, but like when you actually grow up to be your own person, like teenagehood now onwards has been in the U.S. and New York. So, yeah, do you have family in, in New York? Other family no, as well? No, no family. Lots of friends, wow. friends uh, family friends in California, because all the Armenians are there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> My neighbor is actually from an Armenian family. It's, it's oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in Glendale, California, you do not need English. You need Armenian when you go wow. there. There's so many of us. Uh, so we have family friends there, but no okay. like blood relatives in the yeah, U.S. Yeah. So. And did you did you speak English before you came to the United States? I well, my mom is fluent in English. That was her major okay. in school, so oh, I knew some that. English. I went to an English school, like quote unquote, regular schools in Armenia. You'd learn Armenian, you learn Russian, um, starting in like second grade, and then you also learn English in the third grade or fourth grade. I can't remember. Everybody. But, I started and said, oh, yeah, yeah, it's the standard. But I started in a school that had, like, the English special, English program. So I started when I was in second grade. Okay. So first grade, you learn the Armenian alphabet. Second grade, you learn the, the Cyrillic alphabet and the, the Latin alphabet. And you learn Russian and English at the same time. I already was fluent in Russian, so I didn't have to, like, learn it. It was an easy class for me. But some kids, they had to learn both of them at the same time. Wow. With their Amazing. native thing in Armenian. So sure. I knew the grammar, I knew vocabulary. If I read it, I would understand certain things, but I left in sixth grade. So whatever you learn from second grade to sixth grade, it's basic, basically just basic knowledge. Um, yeah. I mostly learned it here. Yeah. Did you and find it, was, it difficult when you first came? It was harder to understand the American accent. I was used okay. to my teachers speaking with a British accent sure. with a foreign accent on top of it. You know, yeah, like... Sure. There, my mom speaks fluent English, but I can tell even though she's she has the British pronunciation with a foreign accent, basically. And right. that's what my teacher had, too. She spoke very well, but now I understand that that's an English accent with a or British accent with yeah. a foreign accent on top of it. Right, right, um, right. So it was hard for me to first to understand how fast speech was here and um, the topics. But eventually, when you're a teenager, like 13, 14, like it's easy to pick it up. Wow, that's great. So, so you were you were living in New York, going to the Juilliard pre college program. Mm -hmm. What what was that like? Yeah, you were having lessons how many times a week, and were you playing chamber that's music? That's a Saturday Saturday program, um, once a week. Um, for okay. lessons, you have 
um, I think we had choir as a guitar major when you don't oh play an orchestral wow. instrument. Yeah, it, when you, it's any school really, right? If you yeah. don't play an orchestral instrument, your large ensemble credit yeah. is fulfilled with a, with a choir chorus. Right. So at Juilliard, they had chorus once a week Saturdays. Um, then I had music theory. I had solfege, which is ear training. Okay. And then I had my guitar lesson, guitar ensemble, and studio class. So that was All like in one day. All Saturday. Sometimes oh if Antigone had a concert, maybe our lesson would have been scheduled to a different day in a week. Yeah. But it's a Saturday program. All the okay. kids, you know, it, it's not always possible to move it around. Yeah. So it was a full on what you would expect from college. But of yeah. course, a little bit younger age. Sure. And Did you get credit for college? that? No, not no college. No, okay. No, no. But there were kids that were five, like those children prodigies, you know. Oh my gosh. They were very young kids in, in the yeah. pre-college division. Um, so it's just through high school. From minimum age, I don't think they had a minimum age until right. you graduate high school. I just, I didn't finish it there. And they're all doing all the classes and, and the ensembles all doing and all everything. The yeah. I don't know if there was any adjustment um, for the really little ones for yeah. like theater or not, but for the teenage, you know. music theory class. Yeah, I definitely remember some eight-year-olds in my in my choir. They were singing, like eight-year-old boys who were singing the yeah. soprano yeah. line. I remember that. Um, I was an alto <laughs> at that point. So. So there were definitely young ones that always yeah. there with their parents and stuff. Um, I was 14, so I was early teenager. Right. But yeah, it's like full-on classes. Ear training was not easy. <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't have perfect no. pitch. Um, I can hear things on the guitar fine, but on a piano, everything sounded the same to me. Uh -huh. I, I, because I wasn't used to hearing the piano sound. I can tune right. the guitar without a tuner, and I'll tune it to 440. But play a note on a piano, I got no idea what what's going sure. on. So <laughs> it was hard. And... Uh, yeah, so it's, it's a, if you do that, you know a lot by the time you graduate. It's probably yeah. you would be able to pass through the first year of college theory, right, most right. likely, like figured bass, four-part writing, sure, sure. all of that stuff you'd be able to do. Yeah, and, and did you have, was it a similar kind of thing at, at Interlochen? Did yes. You had, yeah, many classes. What Interlochen was really and... super annoying was that um, I know fixed dough. That's what I learned in oh, Interlochen. Right. Yeah, the rest yeah, of, of the world uses fixed dough. And then uh, I remember a theory class at Interlochen. Interlochen is a full academic school, so you have biology, math, science, yeah. history, all of that. And then you also, on top of that, have your music or if you're a dancer, whatever, your, sure, your professional sure. studies. So I, I show up to my music theory class class and I already know stuff like you know and we're trying to sight read and there's a G scale in front of me and we're sitting in a classroom and everyone's sight reading this thing and they're like adore mi fa sol I'm like do, yeah. I'm looking at this G and everyone around me is calling a do and I'm thinking do these kids not know the notes <laughs> You know, and my teacher saw, she's like, she looked at me and she's like, ah, oh, you're a fixed dough person. I'm like, what's a fixed dough? That was a nightmare. When you know notes by certain names and you look at a sol mm -hmm. or a G and you have to switch in your head and call it a yes. dough because that's your tonic. Yes, yes. That was a nightmare. I learned. I just, at first I tried to cheat, like read up the line. It didn't work. I had to like really learn. Peabody is the same. Peabody uses movable dough. Yeah. Yeah. Can you switch back and forth now? Easily? I'm back to, fo no, I'm yeah. back to fixed. <laughs> but I, can back to, I mean, I can if I have to, yeah. because you start thinking in just degrees. And then yeah. you, I know like the degree numbers compared right. to sulfage, but uh, Juilliard is fixed dough. So when I came back to Juilliard, it was like coming back home. I'm like, oh, okay, thank God, <laughs> thank I know you. it's dough. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you let you know what i found though um maybe it's a little off topic but if you don't have perfect pitch movable don't make sense because you learn this do re mi fa sol la si thing as a song so right. you always know that do to sol is going to have a certain sound like a song like you know how happy birthday sounds or like right. over the rainbow sounds right so intervals are easier that way because they're just associated with the with the song um right. And that's it. You just move it up around. And, and I don't know what key I'm in. If I don't have perfect, it makes no difference to me if it's a, a, a me or sorry, an E or a G, that starting right. note. You just remember that. So that was easier. So as soon as you get over the visual mess that's in front mm -hmm. of you, it's basically like reading in a different clef, I guess. Right. Um, the sight reading is easier for that. Yeah. Because the sound is the same. With fixed dough the vi visually is always the same but your names are different you just have to remember what it actually sounds like and call it different things yeah and no I, I, think, I think with fixed dough though the the understanding you know the the, the intervallic distance between any two notes is is built into that you know it, yeah it, there's no chromatic intervals though like the do de, do di re ri mi fa right, fi yeah right right we have right. those in fixed do we just if it's fa sharp we just call it fa anyway right right, right sharp right. but you don't have the fi you don't call it right. fi so that was the that was the change but in <laughs> it was just everything at once like you have yeah. your academics and you have your and then going to um going to college to conservatory it was so easy because you don't have the you don't have the academics. It's just music, yeah. so no math homework, no science. <laughs> I was, I was at seven o'clock. I was like, I'm done with all my homework. That's it. Like this is great. <laughs> you didn't have any general ed stuff to do for undergraduate. Um, liberal arts. You do okay. have to take liberal arts. You do have yeah, to take yeah. like literature classes because I guess they still want to teach you how to write. <laughs> so right. They keep saying like, you know, one day when you grow up, you have to write grants and stuff. That's why you need to write all these essays. <laughs> so they did, you did have that and a foreign language requirement um, right. and some, you know, other things that are electives, music, sure. music history, obviously, music theory right, and right just liberal arts i took like web design to um this is back in 2004 so 2006 <laughs> html was a thing css and yeah. html were a thing so i took that uh, as a liberal arts credit because it's nice to have your own website sure. and be able to control it so right <laughs> do you, yeah did you did you use that to to, to create i did my first website that i had it was HTML. I would get like a template, and I'd be able to like change the CSS and change the colors and all of that. I think it was HTML point five, five something yeah. like that, or five. Um, so I used that for many years, and then it switched to WordPress. Now I use Wix because right. brainless, like Easy. just yep. drag and drop. <laughs> so I'm 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 going to going to date myself here. So when when I was in graduate school, I had one friend who had this amazing new thing called email. So she could talk to her boyfriend who was in California. Oh, wow. and she would go to the library on this little tiny Macintosh computer and log in and, and she could check her email. I remember using Yahoo. I, was, I didn't have an AOL account. I had a Yahoo account. Um, yeah, my, my first my first professional website professional in quotes that is um, was was on GeoCities through Yahoo. Yeah, that was. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I still use email. I still you know I still use that AOL Messenger, MSN Messenger. <laughs> it's amazing how quickly think that 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 stuff changes though. So when when you were both at the um, in the the, the pre college division at Juilliard and Interlock, and did you have opportunities to play chamber music with 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 your colleagues? 
I I probably would have if I tried. Um, okay. I played in guitar ensembles with my other sure. guitar majors, so that okay. was also a requirement. So we had to do it. To play chamber music, it wasn't required, so I didn't make the effort. Um, I've played with a violinist once or twice at, at that time. Um, yeah, I just personally, I like solo. It's yeah. still the case. So I'll play if I have to, <laughs> but I won't seek the opportunity myself because I just okay. prefer to play alone. Sure. Um, so at school, it was kind of the same thing. Even at Peabody, you have a guitar ensemble requirement, but you don't have a chamber music requirement. Like, really? I didn't have to play with another okay. instrument. I just had to play in an ensemble. So I played with, in a group, in a, in a quartet one year, and just with my guitarist. Yeah. But it was yeah. no, no requirement to play with another instrument. Wow. And did, and did you, when you were doing guitar ensemble at Peabody like that, did, did you guys put your ensembles together yourself or was, were you playing? We had a coach um, for Peabody. Julian Gray was our coach. I remember uh -huh. uh, my freshman year, it was Ray Chester and that was like required guitar ensemble. All the freshmen right. were in the same kind of like divided into groups uh -huh. based on ability. But then, um, then we could choose our own group and okay. Yeah, we were coached by Julian Gray, and and then the last year Barueco created his own chamber like, ensemble thing. So he coached us, and we, yeah. that was only for Manuel students. Um, we, I think we kind of had the say in the repertoire. Yeah, we okay. just kind okay. of um, we chose the chose the pieces, practiced on our own, and then had the once a week coaching from okay. whoever it was that year. That was our coach. Sure, sure, sure. And did you did you do ensemble playing for at Juilliard for your master's degree yes, as well? All, all three of us, like the three of uh -huh. us were in a trio. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was only the three of us, and we did it. Karen, Karen Isbin was also the coach. Um, there were other people who just they chose to play with other instrumentalists. Like it doesn't mean you sure, can't, sure. you know, if they wanted to play. Of I course. just personally didn't care for it, so I didn't. <laughs> you know? yeah. I must say, I might, it must sound so weird, but people ask me that all the time. It's just a, a personally, I'm a, I'm a loner to some degree, yeah. and um, to play with somebody, I have to really get along with that person, and yeah. the playing has to match, the style has to match, and uh, I would only play with one other person. I wouldn't want to be in a trio or a quartet in any way. So, so. when you did guitar ensemble in, in school, were you, were you playing in, in duos, or did you? It, in school, you do what you have to. Okay, we okay. were four good friends, so we decided to like play together, and it was yeah. great. Um, okay. We didn't do like a duo, and all of us kind of were in the same. We wanted the least amount of work possible. I mean, if you're being honest with yourself, you know, you're like a college student. You already have yeah. enough to worry about. We just wanted the least amount of work possible, and it was right. fun to hang out and play and rehearse. So we did that to get the credit we needed. <laughs> so, uh, but then after I graduated, I, that's not where I wanted to do. So I never sure. really seeked out anyone to play with. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's <laughs> that's great. Yeah. And I and I, I ran across something. I don't know whether whether it was one of your your Facebook Facebook posts recently mm -hmm. or whether I was looking at your website. No, it was you did a question and answer a couple of weeks ago. Oh yeah, yeah. I put like a question box in yeah, Instagram. And, and, yeah, and some of those were a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> and what what I can't remember what the question was. And I know I don't want to put you on the spot here, but it was, oh, it was okay. something, something, something about contemporary music or. It's either about composing. Was it about why I don't compose or? 
Maybe. Or, yeah. Or but, I mean, but, but, I I, again, I don't want to put I don't put words in your mouth, but I, I I think you said something about like you don't really like contemporary music or I something don't. like that. Yeah, because they asked. <laughs> the, the question I believe I remember the question it was about what composer I'd like to compose for me, and yeah. I, I my answer was that I, it had to be a composer who composes in the old style and not. <laughs> yeah, somebody you know, dead. Somebody dead. <laughs> dead there are people who are alive and write music i just played a caprice like i was it a year or two ago it was in summer 2020 there was a caprice written by giuseppe torisi he passed away okay. unfortunately last year and he writes in like the older style where there's uh-huh. rhythm and music and like i like <laughs> melodies yeah. i don't like bartok pizzas and hitting the guitar like yeah. that's not interesting to me so it depends on the contemporary music it's just uh, i say that because there's those questions are also kind of like fun so sometimes i'm like oh, sure. direct I answer maybe like it sounds harsh or sarcastic or whatever, but um, (laughs) just generally, like even from my own repertoire, I gravitate towards older pieces um, that have basically traditional repertoire, not necessarily like all the Capriccio Arabes out there, but (laughs) just pieces that have been around that have survived to the test of time. I like that more. It's it's more moving emotionally for me. The contemporary music... I think the most contemporary thing I ever played was with the Walton Bagatelles, um, because it was also required. Like you can see, and even out of the contemporary ones, I picked the one that's the least contemporary sounding. Um, it was a requirement for the Juilliard auditions. But for okay. to get into Juilliard for grad school, there is a specific list of genres, like a full Bach sonata or suite, all memorized, all movements, um, tw- at least nine minute piece of contemporary re- uh, 20th century music, and okay. it divides it. It can't be Rodrigo Tedesco and Turina. It has to, that's fine. You have to do that too, but it has yeah. to be a representative 20th century music. Walton right. and Britton and Henza, right, right. they fall into that category. Villalobos and Turina and Tedesco don't. So right. I had to learn something. In addition, I chose the Walton. Uh, yeah, so it has to have like a, a melody, like something cool, not just like yeah. sound effects. <laughs> yeah, and have you always been like that? Is it always been like that. Yeah. It, yeah. What, I mean, obviously, I mean, you probably had had to do some of that music before you, before your Juilliard edition. No, never? You never had a teacher that said you need to be exposed Manuel, to this? I don't think Manuel is the biggest fan of like the soup. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but sure, he sure, never sure. required me to do anything like super contemporary. I yeah, think he's wow. okay. even from his repertoire, right? Like the things that he plays, he plays music by current composers that yeah. are writing for him. But like Sierra is like way more, Roberto right. Sierra is more lyrical. There's like, it's a piece. Sure, it's not like classical period, but it's not yeah. contemporary music the way sometimes I imagine it. So he never required me to do that. Um, and Sharon also, um, for the graduation requirements from Juilliard, um, the reason I keep saying do you like is Peabody didn't have specific repertoire requirements for graduation. I just had to play a one hour recital um, of maybe some contrasting styles. I couldn't just play like all classical. But and it was in consultation with, with Manuel. Yeah, yeah. We would decide what to play. Yeah. yeah, for like my, my senior recital at Peabody, I played the fourth lute suite. And then I played the Rigondi introduction in Caprice, and I played the Aranjuez concerto with the pianos. That was my senior recital. But for Juilliard, it's the same kind of requirements as your audition. So oh. for, for you know, full Bach suite or sonata, for memory, 20th century, uh, contrasting 
20th century or or 19th century uh, and a piece with orchestra. That's a requirement or piano reduction. Right. So right. for Juilliard, I played the first Lute Suite by Bach and then I had to rec do the, the 20th century thing and I was kind of really scared that, I'm, <laughs> that she's going to make me do something super crazy contemporary. <laughs> but somehow she allowed me to do Asensio, which oh. is also it's 20th century, but it's beautiful. Sure. It's yeah. Sure, it's not like... I, like that stuff is fine. Asensio, Rodrigo, even though there's dissonance, I, I, I love dissonance. It's just I'm not doing Bartok pizzas all the time. <laughs> yes, that is so, a I, th I think Batania used to call that the scratch and bump set. Yeah, like I won't play the Hinastera Sonata. No one can pay me enough to play the Hinastera Sonata. It's great, but like I'm not interested, you know. So I was so lucky. Sharon's like. <laughs> She was like, you know, I don't want you to play anything you don't love playing because you're not going to play yeah. it as well if you don't love playing. Well, you know, there's there's so, a lot to be said for that, for sure. Oh, yeah. I have to practice yeah. that every single day. Like, I would hate myself if I had to do that every single <laughs> day. So she, got, she let me get away with Asensio. So yeah. I, I did uh, Suite Valenciana by Asensio yeah. for graduation. And then Gentilhombre, Fantasia para un Gentilhombre sure. for, for the orchestral requirement. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so no, I didn't. I would, no one forced me to learn any of the like stereotypically contemporary pieces, yeah. where it's more oh. about the effects and the mood you're creating, yeah, yeah. rather uh -huh. than playing sweeping melodies and and uh, sure. rhythm. Sure. Wow, I like. I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of surprised that nobody ever stepped into you a little bit. On I had really good teachers. <laughs> <laughs> That's my style. You had you had kind teachers, yeah. I'm very kind, yeah. It doesn't mean so, they didn't make me suffer, but they made me suffer on pieces that I liked. You know? <laughs> so when when you were when you were looking to to graduate high school and and mm -hmm. and, and go to college, mm -hmm. did you were you just set on going to Peabody and studying with Manuel, or did you have other ideas well, or? You can't just set your sights on Manuel and uh, be like, "That's it," because there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee you will get in. It's a very right. like competitive. Um, competitive studio to get into yeah. might get into Peabody but you might not get into his his particular right. studio so out of college I knew I was going to go to a music school that was a given I had no intentions of majoring in anything else um, but I remember I think I applied to like four or five schools I applied to the Eastman School of Music okay, okay. I applied to Cleveland um, I applied to USC Stetson University um, I applied to Oberlin, but then I withdrew my application because I knew I wasn't going to go. And then, and then Peabody, um, and Peabody was just like, if I got into Manuel's studio, that that was my first okay. choice. But if okay. I didn't get into his studio, I probably would have gone to USC because I was I was accepted to all of them, but okay. USC okay. or Eastman or Cleveland, like those three, sure, would have sure. been if if Peabody didn't happen. Did Juilliard was not on a list back then because it did not. This was in two thousand four. They did not have a bachelor's degree. So Juilliard okay, was not okay. on the list um, for me to apply to. And who, who would you have wanted to study with at uh, USC? It was going to be either Canon Geyser or Tennant, I believe. Okay. Um, yeah. I think. I never really thought that deeply into it because sure. um, I, I got into Peabody and that was right. the end of it. Yeah, so I didn't sure. really like contemplate, but probably one of them. Yeah, um, yeah so that, that happened. So... Yeah, yeah. And it was. A, I'm glad it was a music conservatory. You know that I didn't have. To... <laughs> had, had you met Manuel before your audition? Yeah. So before yeah. I auditioned, um, Antigone contacted um, his wife and kind of set up like a, 
a communication between us. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I set up a, a little like a meeting with him, and I played for him. I think in, in December before the February audition. So I had already applied to Peabody. I went down to Baltimore to meet him in person, play for him, and then do the official audition in February yeah. of 2004. Right. So fantastic. Yeah, and, and, and I imagine doing the the, the pre-college program at Juilliard. You, you you obviously had met Sharon before. Yes. Right. I met Sharon, even though I was studying with Antigone, but she did some guest master classes for the pre-college students. So I had met Sharon um, during one of those master classes. Right. And I had met her again before coming to Juilliard. I, after the like a 10 year anniversary celebration thing okay. uh, in 2006, yep. Antigone and the current pre-college teacher, they sort of had this little um, master class concert sort of weekend. And yep. I came up I was a sophomore at, at Juilliard. I mean, sorry, sophomore at Peabody. I came up to New York and played in a master class for Sharon. So oh, I had met her a couple right. of times. Yeah, yeah. Did she remember you from when you were when were you very young? Yeah, because yeah. she had seen when we had first applied to Juilliard um, to pre-college. She had seen the tape that we had sent. Okay. So in she a lot of ways, it. she helped with the with the process. At least like guided us through the process sure. uh, when I went to pre-college. So she did remember who I was, um, and then. She saw me in 2006, and then obviously when I applied to Juilliard, she had seen yeah. that too. So, yeah. and when 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 you were young in the pre-college division, I mean, you obviously knew who she was, and, and was 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 that like was it nerve-wracking at all? To I don't I don't know I yeah. I don't want to diminish anything, but I don't get nervous around like celebrities. Wow, good <laughs> you know? for you. It's, uh, <laughs> I, don't know, I, I feel like. These people are incredible. They have accomplished yeah, yeah. so much in their life, right? But I kind of feel like they're people, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. just um, so I don't get starstruck. Yeah, 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 I don't get starstruck. It, there's obviously tremendous respect and yes, everything, yeah. but it, to be like, oh my god, you know, it's. Um, <laughs> I didn't well, feel at, like that. Maybe that, it was that really young age. I mean, that's 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 amazing. That's I, that, that kind of I maybe mean, I just didn't understand. At the young age, yeah. I could blame it on just like not knowing the difference. Sure. But um, but later on, it's just they're they're people. They've worked very hard in their entire life, and they've gotten where they are. But you know, like some people get tongue tied. You know, when they yeah. meet someone, that was never been me. Yeah. <laughs> but there's it's still it's just it's amazing what they have accomplished. That doesn't yeah. take away from it. It's um. But I don't remember that feeling as a kid. Um, it was yeah. I remember. Well, Sharon, I had seen when I was um, younger, so it wasn't mm -hmm. like it wasn't a surprise to see her again. Manuela, I had never seen in person, um, right. so it was like first meeting someone that you've seen their pictures, you've seen their videos, yeah. but you've never yeah. seen them in real life. You're like, oh, they're taller than you think, like that right. kind of like very innocent, <laughs> silly reaction. Um, yeah. That was there. Same way, like you would go backstage to meet John Williams or David Russell, and you're like, oh, right. that's what they look like in real life, you know? So. That kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I mean, I, I know that the, I studied with John Holmquist for my, my master's degree uh -huh. and, and it was amazing. I mean, he, he just, it, and it was a similar kind of thing. I mean, I knew who he was and what he had done and everything, but he was so personable and so relatable that, you know, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't a problem. Right. And, uh -huh. But it, still I had this sense anytime I played for him, like I just, there was a little bit of pressure there, you know, like I, oh, I didn't want to waste his time. Yeah. I didn't oh, want, yeah, you know, yeah. like, you know, at that level. And, and I've, I've, I've known quite a few people that have studied with, with Manuel and, and, and that's something that, that, that has oh, come that, up. That's as, absolutely you know, true. I meant, I thought you meant like when you meet a celebrity, it's like some oh, people. No, no, no. Yeah, I did. Yeah. No, that, 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 that,
there yeah. is there is that sense of responsibility and I better not mess up and I better be prepared because I don't want to waste their time. I think it actually makes you work a lot harder because you are playing for these people that are the legends of your current time, right? So of your major. So that absolutely had influence. I I just thought like... No, I was actually, no, I was... was, You you know, Brad Pitt or something. (laughs) <laughs> no, you didn't. You didn't misunderstand. You didn't. Mis- I, I moved moved from that into that. So no, that absolutely. Yeah. No. No. I was just. Yeah. It's just picking picking brains of people who have had the opportunity to to work with folks yeah. of that level. No, that, you know, that's absolutely just, you know. amazing because you grow up listening to their recordings, right? And yeah. then you're sitting in front of them, and they're specifically telling you what to do when you're trying to, I guess, from their recording. Like now you have direct line of them critiquing what you're playing to like yeah. hopefully improve and maybe one day sound like them. So yeah, from that respect, absolutely. And, and did you, did you find that it was, I mean, was, was there a real difference in teaching styles, you know, going, growing from Antigone to Interlochen to, to studying with yes. Manuel, to studying with Sharon? With, it was also, there is a difference between all of them, but we also have to, have to take into account that I was at different ages with all of okay. them, so sure. it has yeah, different yeah. influences. So like with Antigone, I studied when I was like early teenager, right? So mm-hmm. very little understanding of phrasing, let's just say. So we would work <laughs> on like musicality. I would always be able to play fast because that I already had that, but it would be totally like not musical at all. So with her, I first understood that it's not enough to just play the notes. It has to be cleaner. It has to phrase. There's dynamics I need to follow. So almost like basic things. And she's incredibly musical, but some of the things I just didn't understand because I was not like, I didn't know, <laughs> you know, right. so with, with John Wunsch, I was a little bit older and I had already kind of had some experience with Antigone. So like it, it progressed a little bit farther. The repertoire became a little bit more complicated. Um, with Manuel, it was just professional right then and there. Like that's yeah. the first time I learned perfectionism, basically, and how slow I have to practice something, how perfect everything has to be, the preparation, the seamlessness, so that the technique doesn't show that you have technique. Right. It's just right. just the music shines through. So did, did he talk a lot about? practicing that way yes. and, and yeah mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's the first time i experienced the super slow tempos that some, sometimes you see on facebook <laughs> like putting the metronome i always tell the story because that's what kind of stuck the first lesson i showed up um i had a i had a master class with him yeah. the summer before i started at, at at peabody it was all three of us uh that the three freshmen that were coming into peabody we also played in a master class in june that he used to have every summer he doesn't do them anymore but so i played there and we kind of talked about what repertoire I should learn for September because I had my whole entire summer free and I, I wanted to learn the Grand Solo by Sor and I wanted to learn his edition um, his, his, uh, the one he plays, not his edition, it's the Aguado edition which is a little bit different than the standard Sor that everyone plays so I learned that and I learned the first sonata by violin sonata by Bach and you know he just told me to learn everything free stroke because I used to play rest stroke anywhere I wanted to just you know um, <laughs> but Bach had to be all free stroke so Grand Solo had to be all free stroke so I learned that and I show up to the first lesson I'm playing Grand Solo and Grand Solo for someone who plays it's not the hardest piece 
I learned it in like two, three weeks because it's classical period piece, right? <laughs> but I'm playing it and I think I'm doing so well. You know, it's like, oh, it's two or three weeks I memorized this thing. It was a mess. I just didn't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm playing and he's like, how, how slow do you practice? And I was like, yeah, I practice slow. And he's like, show me. So I played it a little bit slower than basically our tempo. And he's like, no, 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 no. That's like way too fast. He to put the metronome to 50 for the eighth note. Right, that right, was right. brutal. It was like, dumb. <laughs> and the the things that was he was picking out that wasn't clean enough like connection between notes when you have to use the same finger on a string and move like thirds for example uh, right. a d and a b and then moving mm -hmm. to a c sharp and an a or whatever that shift the fact that you could hear silence in between them you can't yeah, tell yeah. when you're playing fast it just sounds choppy but when you play it slowly that silence is forever so I had to, I realized how accurate and how quickly I actually have to move from one note to another and how in sync the two hands have to be. Yeah. That was hard. The first time I had to play that at that tempo, it took me 50 minutes to get through a 10 right. minute piece. Like, it's ridiculous. So, the fact that I actually didn't know the piece because when you take away the speed, you take away the muscle memory. Yep. So, and that kind of started that way. I think the freshman, freshman year, I learned how to practice. Was that your first lesson? Yeah. Oh that was, was, yeah, it was, it was uh, your, first, like your first beat down. You throw in there from the deep end. Um, <laughs> so, um, so the first year, I think I, I learned how to practice, and it always yeah, continued yeah. that way. I bet he works on different things with every student. Uh, sure, that's sure, what sure. I needed. He never talked about technique with me because I already had it, wow. but never talked about sound quality because I already had a good sound or good enough. There's yeah. nuances. He, like, he never tried to fix the sound that I had, basically. Yeah. But there are nuances that my sound improved because of the musicality that he was trying to get out of me. Right. And the sound improved in, in terms of shaping it a little bit better. Not You can get a pretty note, but you can also get it in a way that has... Um, like maybe a delayed, like being behind the beat or a sweeter attack or a harsher attack. Those nuances improved mostly by concentrating on music rather than right. specific things. With other students, it could have been something different. Maybe they needed something else. Um, and then with Sharon, oh, also, okay, so differences. Manuel does not, does not write on your music. He'll write in um, fingerings. Very likely, he will suggest fingerings if he's changing it. The rest of it, you have to sing, and you have to teach yourself to play what you sing. And you have to sing in the most musical way. And he, he won't write crescendos in on the there. Lessons, he, he, he has you singing in the lessons. Yeah, well, he, doesn't, he, does, he didn't make me sing in the lessons. He okay. would, and then he would play. He didn't make me put me on the spot and make me sing it. Uh -huh. But he would, like, if I would play it, he would criticize it if it wasn't musical enough or what had right. to be done. But he never once took a pencil and put a crescendo on my music. Because if you're singing it, and you're phrasing it, you don't need it written. Like you already feel it huh. the way it's supposed to do be and then you're doing it the way. To this yeah, day, yeah. I do not mark those things on my music. At all. I just, not at all. My music wow. has fingerings on it because I feel like I don't need it. I have, I know exactly how I wanted to make it feel sound. Your body, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I train my fingers to listen, to, to like basically do mm -hmm. what I tell them to do. And then if I yeah. sing it a certain way in my head, that's how it's gonna come out. I don't need the piano to remind me that it's a piano because that's how I, I know sure, the music. Sure. With Sharon, it was different. She would write everything in colored yeah, pencils, yeah. by the way. <laughs> Which was, you know, she would mark everything. If there had to be a, a color change, Ponticello to Dolce, whatever, right. it would be in colored pencils. And I know her, like, I know her strategy. Every lesson, it would be a different color. So you, st you still have to phrase, you still have to ah. sing. 
but it would also be written if I if she circled something in one color and then she has to circle it again in a different color and then she oh, has to circle it that means that you haven't <laughs> done what you what she's telling you for three lessons and I, you don't do I, that. I do that with my students like you know I tell them and then if I've circled it with pencil I know and then if you know a <laughs> couple, couple couple more times I might get the highlighter out but if I get the red pen that's, that's uh -oh, the, the blood the, if you write it in blood <laughs> or like the asterisks keep adding on you put little asterisks yeah. in the, the different stuff it's usually like... just the thread of the red pen though it's like I, uh -huh. when, when I get the I get the highlighter like now don't make me get the red pen <laughs> yeah she had different colors and I, I I still have that music oh, it's funny. all colorful and some things are circled in different colors <laughs> if i pull out music from my time at peabody zero markings zero. on them just yeah. fingering changes amazing um, that's that's amazing so with, with sharon it's not it's not certain colors for certain things it's certain no colors it's just for... every every time she would just look to see what color is missing from that page and pick the other you one need a, like you this. need a new color yeah, yeah. Yeah, Christopher Berg. I studied with him for my undergraduate, and he mm -hmm. he would do colored pencils. But it was you know I and I don't remember the, the the code. You know there was like a blue pencil for dynamics, and a you know a red pencil for fingerings, and you know it was different colored pencils for different functions. You know which no, this was just that's too complicated for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was repetition. It had no like rhyme or reason to it. There's like too much green and too much yellow. Now it will be purple, you know. But in terms of goal, it was always the same for both teachers: is to try to make something as lyrical as possible with the proper rhythm, obviously, um, stylistically correct, um, clean, and effortless. It's just oh, if Manuel all. basically, <laughs> yeah, just that's it. You know, nothing else. Um, so if Manuel only went like through the singing route in terms like not writing on a music. Sharon would also just specific, be more specific about you. Yeah. You you get this result by doing this. You know, you put a crescendo there, and you you put it in there. So and, and just you know, this is this is this is a little gossipy, I guess. So does does Manuel not mark his scores at all either? His scores, I don't know. I don't know. I just know that he was very. I haven't seen his scores. Um, maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. Yeah. I'm not quite sure. I just know. I remember him being very respectful of my score. Like he would yeah. write very lightly. He would almost like ask sometimes if he could instead of yeah. like taking the pencil and like right. you know ripping that's it apart. Interesting. That, yeah. That's really, that's really um, but his own scores I haven't seen because any music that he would give me would be a clean copy. If I had to copy something, right? Um, then it would just be a, a clean copy. It wouldn't be all colored yeah, up with yeah. the so maybe he does maybe he doesn't but i personally don't like right now if i yeah. gave you music i'm working on it will yeah. be clean except for uh left hand fingerings definitely right yeah. hand fingerings if it's complicated yeah. if it's not complicated you won't have right hand fingers but my students i make them write everything because uh they don't know what they're doing yet. So they don't know what they're doing. Well, you have to I, learn. I, right? I hope like, all of your students listen to this. I hope so too. Well, especially for Bach. Especially for yeah. Bach, because there is no patterns really yeah. all the time to the right hand fingering. So I'll make them write them in every Absolutely. single note. Because I do that sometimes too. If it's like a yeah. fast movement that, like a presto or um, a double or whatever, every single fingering is in there. Because you have to. Yeah, you can't do that on the fly. To. Yeah. So what I, what I'm hearing is that you have an exceptional memory. That's that's what I'm. Inter no, I I, I no. don't think it's really like exceptional. <laughs> um, you mean because I don't write notation for yeah. the? Well, the thing is, if you, you remember remember how you I want know to the do music, something. like yeah. you know yeah. what the music you wanted to sound like, right? Like yeah. there is certain feeling with that goes with the phrasing, um, and that's how I imagine that piece. I don't need memory. Yeah 
to know that I want that piece to sound like that. But memory wise, like as a kid, sure, I memorize things very fast for the guitar, but I noticed that like, I'm not that old, I'm 37, but I'm also, you know, not 27. A lot of people think I'm a lot younger. Just, but... just wait, just you wait. Yeah, so I noticed like, I noticed that it's not, like I don't memorize things. Like, it's not as fast. When I was yeah. a teenager, the, um, what's the piece? El ultimo tremolo, or la limosna por el amor de Dios. That mm -hmm. barrio thing, I learned that in four hours. Would yeah. I be able to learn that in four hours today? I don't know. Maybe experience would help me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe experience yeah, helps yeah. you, because when you play for many, many years, everything you do is a repetition of something you've done before, in some ways. Um, so That's certain why we don't need to practice. Yeah, right. <laughs> but something, yeah, like if you play a classical period piece like uh, Soar or, or Giuliani, sometimes you don't need to practice certain things to be able to do them really fast and really clean because it's like Giuliani, sure, some things are different, but it's right. the same thing you've done for years. It's just you have to remember what order to put it in. You still have to put the big picture together. But some, like Bach, no, it's always something confusing, you know. Um, transcriptions that can be confusing. Like I had, a, I had trouble with Valses Poeticos because the keys that we were playing in, they were not the standard keys. It's not A minor or D minor or E minor right. <laughs> or major. It was an F with flats. It was it was piano repertoire for the guitar. So that took me a while to memorize, and I would still have memory slips sometimes um so it just depends um but the musicality of it like you already know how you want it to sound like, it, that's why i don't write them in because it's my ideas sure. i feel like when you're teaching like i'll write it on students music because i'm imposing my ideas on them right so it's not doesn't come from them they have to see it on the music to remember right. but if it's your own you sure, probably sure. don't have to write were, it. Were you like that as, as, as a young person as well? I mean, not, like, not that you're an old person. As now, a young as person, a I, person, I guess I should say. Oh, no, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, as yeah. a young person, I didn't care about the music at all. That was... <laughs> I, was I was just playing the notes. Sure, <laughs> Honestly, sure, sure. it's just... I was just playing the notes. Because um, I wasn't one of those, like... Yeah, sure, I started very young, but it wasn't my desire to play the guitar. I wasn't one of those kids who was just drawn to music and okay. would go and play on the piano because they just love it. No, I did it because it was beneficial to me. If I played guitar, I would get Snickers bars and ice cream and toys. I was bribed. <laughs> and then also, like, so I did the minimum possible. And then when you become good at it, because my father really, like, spoon-fed me everything. Yeah. When I was little... Um, basically when I was studying with my dad, I never practiced on my own. He was okay. there. It's like having daily lessons. I played every day, 15 minutes here to half an hour there, but it was with him present, like with right. me, which was looking back, it's the best way a kid can learn because you can't so. do anything wrong. Like I don't really teach young, young children now, um, but you teach them something and then they have six days to totally do the wrong thing. Mess it and, up, yeah. And, yeah, mess it up, exactly. And then they're teaching their muscle memory something wrong. And then you, they come to the lesson and you have to undo what they did yeah. and correct it. And they don't, Suzuki would be great because their parents are involved. They can control it to some degree. Like you have an adult brain understanding the concepts of technique. Well, I had that from my dad. Every time I played the guitar, I played it correctly. So it was there, and then I first started. And practicing he knew what he was doing, which is, I mean, that's, he, was, that's, he knew what that's he was what doing. A great yeah, resource that is, yeah. 
Yeah, but I, we didn't work on musicality because it was hard enough for him to get me to sit down for 15 minutes. So it was just like <laughs> learning how to use the instrument. Um, yeah. I think teenagehood is when I started to like understand like, hey, that's not enough. <laughs> you know, so right, with Antigone, right. with John Wanch, and then really more serious college. Sure, and and being around other other classical musicians. Other, yeah, then you see other kids, and other that stuff, and yeah. people your age that because I could tell the difference. The one sounds better than the other. Um, <laughs> somebody else your age doing it, you're like, wait, I don't have to be like forty years old to be able to play musically. There's someone yeah. exactly my age who's doing it, so it, it kind of puts you more on track. <laughs> right. Sure. 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 And and so when when you graduated with mm -hmm. uh, you. Your undergraduate, and then you went went to went to Juilliard to work on your on your master's degree. Um, when did you start playing concerts and 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 becoming professionally active that way? About a year, I guess maybe even that. No, basically right after I graduated in May, and and we had lined up um, like some concerts in in September. So okay. Basically, after that, the the whole concert thing it started out pretty slow because I was also here on an international student visa. I was on an F one oh, visa. Oh, of course, right. That whole time from the, the time, time you were. Well, because when you're here on an international student visa, you promise the country that you're going to go back to your country after you graduate school. You're literally here for studies. You don't have the leverage to to apply for any kind of permanent residency. Like you wow. you apply. And you, I think you signed a paper, I can't remember, that right. you're going to return to your country. So you can't just like apply for a did, green card just because you've been you have there. to reapply for your visa every year? No. Once you get your student visa, you do not have to reapply. If you stay in the country, um, okay. your schools just give you the I-20 form. And okay. when you in schools, the different school gives you an I-20 form. And every year they okay. renew and they take care of the immigration thing. I would have had to renew my visa in my passport if I left the country and I needed to re-enter. I would have to go to the embassy and get a stamp in my passport. Like so a you were my not passport. allowed to leave the I was United not, States? I was allowed to leave, but okay, I okay. needed my first visa, like the actual entry. Because there's two different things. There's your status in the country and then there's the visa in your passport that allows you to okay, enter okay. the country. My status in the country was legal because I was a student and I was full-time, like, enrolled full-time in a accredited university, right? Yeah. But it, to enter and I exit the country, but to re-enter, I need to have the actual non-expired visa in my passport. So for that, like, we didn't risk it because Armenia is, like, you know, a developing country from, you know, sometimes you could get rejected for the for the oh, visa. Oh, they, even though you do have the full scholarship and you do have the school you're going to yeah. and finances are covered, there is no guarantee that... They might be like, nah, we're not going to renew it. So we didn't risk wow. me going back, leave the country until I was done and I got my master's where like the education part yeah. that I wanted we didn't get interrupted by any by any means. After that, so when you graduate with an um, international like F1 visa, you're allowed one year of what they call optional practical training, OPT. Okay. That gives you one year of work in, like in work authorization to work in okay. the United okay. States based on your major. So if I was a scientist, I would only be allowed to work in science. If I'm a musician, I'm only allowed to work as a musician. I can't just right. go right. work at Starbucks. Um, <laughs> so I used that year, that first year, because I needed to get um, basically built a portfolio based on which I could apply to immigration to apply for the O-1 visa, which is the artist visa. And okay. that's for the way the immigration, they, they put it, it's like for people with extraordinary abilities. It could be musicians, it could be athletes. They specifically worded like that. Um, I don't know what other categories it falls under, but people yeah, who have yeah. some kind of ability, that's unique. 
and, and on a high level. But you need to prove that to the immigration officers. So I needed to have programs and uh, my face in, in like articles, newspapers, just oh to show gosh. that I'm all like this fancy musician, you know, that um, is is bringing this thing into the United yeah, States yeah. that other people can't do. So the first year when I had the option wow. of OPT, I played concerts, as many as we could set up, and Strings by Mail was so helpful. John Wanch, oh. really. Um, through Strings by Mail, we organized some uh, concerts where they sponsored it partially because obviously it costs money to go play. Right. Um, but the the concert itself would pay minimum. I think it was like $300 the first year, which is basically your flight. But of yeah. course, like it makes sense. No one knows who yeah. I am. So who's going to hire you, right? I'm just like a, a fresh graduate out of many, many, many other graduates. So by having the fee so low, guitar societies would be able to take the risk right. to to hire me because it wouldn't be like this big deal. So, and I had some sponsorship uh, from Strings by Mail and from other mm -hmm. sources to help cover the expenses. Flights are more than $300, just yeah, you know. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the first year, I, I can't remember how many concerts I had, but I, I did a bunch of them. There was the was first time- specifically for you to, to build your portfolio to the to yeah. point where you could, you I could needed, have the, I the needed materials the, that you needed to stay in the country, yeah. Yeah, and it had to be in the United States. Thing. What yeah, it has to be engagements in the U.S. that brings you to the U.S. So yeah. I that I can't remember how many it was the first year, but they were. It was the first time I got to play the same program once, uh, more than once, because at school you you learn <laughs> that you're right. yeah. recital. That's the last time you play, then you learn your yeah. repertoire. What a different but experience to yeah. play. Yeah. That's <laughs> Oh, the piece, they actually, re, they mature on stage. They don't mature in a practice room. Like you have right. to keep playing it on stage. Second year, we raised the price a little bit more. And every year, like once people got to know you, they, you know, they know the quality of the playing. They either like it or they don't, but then they can hire you uh, knowing what they're getting. Um, yeah. at, the, at that time, I also started doing the strings by mail videos um, okay. for their okay. channel, instructional videos. Um, repertoire videos and stuff and eventually I switched to mine so yeah I guess I've been playing concerts ever since then yeah, even yeah. if they were basically free <laughs> so, so that, that's how it started that's kind of interesting rather you know rather than saying hey I'm gonna go do concerts for you know to build my career you you did it so that you could you, yeah well, because there was no other choice if I didn't if I didn't do that I after that year I would have to go yeah. back to Armenia or move to Argentina or something because that's where my mom was yeah. so I had to do it and during that year we're also applying for the O1 um, yeah. And luckily, like I got the O1, the first the, the visa. Um, I got it for three years, no, the okay. two years okay. for the first time because you have to also prove you have engagements in the United States for a period okay. of time. So I had engagements two years out, and that's how long they gave me wow. the visa for for two years. Once I got that visa, it was a little bit more safe. I guess it's safer sure, sure. to leave the country you can and apply. Right, you know, yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> it also more the likelihood of the embassy rejecting your visa entry um, is less once you're like on a professional level and there is concerts engagement and stuff. Yeah. So that's when I went to Argentina and uh, visited my mom and then also um, applied for that sticker in my passport that allowed me to go in and out of the country as many times as I wanted to. Yeah, um, and then so I had did, to apply did you for go it again. For a long period of time where you didn't didn't weren't able to see the first time I went for two months. Um, Buenos Aires, I went for two months, uh, and then I had to come back and play concerts here. So and how, how long had it been since you since you had seen your mother at that point? Uh, it was from thirteen to twenty six, so fourteen years. It was fourteen years. Yeah, that's oh visas are hard. Gosh. Yeah, visas are. Uh, they're not. U.S. makes it complicated. Let's say yeah. because they. Yeah. 
they specifically, maybe every country makes it complicated, but if they had gotten, if they have given visas to both my parents, they're yeah. afraid that you will come and stay here illegally. Of course. So they separate it. They only choose, make you choose one. So there's a tie left uh, to your home country. It's sort of, it's still wow. it. Like you, when you try to apply for a tourist visa or anything, they do ask about your ties to your own country, right? right. So either financial ties, real estate, family members, children, parents, whatever. Something that would guarantee that you have, you have a reason to go That's back. That's so hard. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I can't imagine, like, especially at that age, you know, not, not being able to see your mom for you know that long wow and you're going through it it's hard but also it's the only thing you know so it's right. kind of like it is what it is you know yeah when you when you when you say it that like that we're like oh my god you know 13, 14 <laughs> years i bet yeah i don't think yeah. people should experience that that's for sure right. um but it also but, I, i'm sure there's part of that too that that like you understood how important it was what you were doing and and yeah. how important it was to take it seriously right um, no that was already you know. that i understood basically when yeah. we moved because you either you can't just be like yeah i changed my mind not gonna play guitar right. anymore like you realize <laughs> you know, when your parents make that sacrifice for you it's like yeah. all right yeah i gotta suck it up and it won't be for snickers bars anymore so it's like <laughs> do you still so, snickers bars <laughs> yeah but it worked out and then like i got to I, I after that um i would go visit my mom like every year basically okay i had that one visa for i had the two years and then i applied again i got it for three years and that during that time you're also trying to build your portfolio even more to yeah. apply for the permanent residency and i applied under exactly the same criteria that people with extraordinary abilities but your requirements to prove that you're this person are way higher. So you okay. had, to, had to have more more programs, more articles in newspapers and magazines and like be more established. So I needed time to build and that. Who, and, and who judges that? I mean, who's, who's looking at your portfolio? I doubt it's any musical professional any of it, Yeah, singing. I mean, how, how do they know? Like, it's, it's an immigration officer looking at how shiny your papers are, <laughs> you know. Right. No, I'm sure they understand. Like they Because we do have to prove everything. Like these are yeah, yeah. accredited articles. There's reviews about you, right? Like oh, these are, gosh. maybe they don't know specifically right. what it's like to be a good guitarist and they wouldn't be able to tell the difference but they're reading a professional's assessment of my playing recommendation letters i don't know, I have like 20 and your recommendation letter it's coming from sharon isbin who has two right, grammys right. or manuel barreco who was like manuel barreco right, right. and um <laughs> I, I don't think if he had, i don't think he had a grammy yet at that time that's why i didn't say it but <laughs> you're like the pinnacles of your career right, of and they're saying things about you so even if the immigration officer doesn't know that the guitar has six strings yeah. still um they they would trust the um the assessment wow. so it took a while it took a while um and last year, well, a couple of weeks ago, I applied for U.S. citizenship. So I have to wait like huh. maybe a year. Okay. Um, I don't know how long it takes so you've now. you've been a permanent resident for how long? You have to be one for five years in order okay. to be eligible to become a U.S. citizen. So how hopefully in like, I think it's like another 13-month wait until yeah, immigration oh gosh, gets back gosh. to me. So we'll see. <laughs> well... I'm I, speaking as a as a lifelong American citizen. I'm, I'm, I'll be delighted to have you. <laughs> well, the thing is, I, I I grew up here, so yeah. my paper right. might not say it, but I think more like an American than an Armenian. Yeah. Have you my been back name. to Armenia? 
I do. Yeah, I went back um, before the pandemic. I went uh, 2019. I went to okay. visit my dad, and my mom also went there. So both, like my mom and dad, were in Armenia together. Um, before that, I had gone back in 2012 and another time 2016, if I'm not remember, if I remember correctly. So I've been back. Do you, do you remember? Do you remember your childhood from? I remember my childhood. About, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, very well. Yeah. Um, I, I had a, I mean, from the child's perspective, I, I had a really good childhood. Yeah. It wasn't at the best time, and it was probably really difficult for my parents because there was a war going on with Azerbaijan, all of that. Like, there was a lot of things, no electricity, no, like, food shortage, all of that. But as a kid, I didn't yeah. suffer because I didn't right. understand. Didn't like, I was that. outside yeah. playing in the snow and having a good time. But it wasn't the greatest time for my for adults, basically. So I do remember my childhood. I left when I was 13, so there was enough of that. Um, when I went back the first time, it was 15 years, I guess, after I had left initially. That was weird because everything was smaller. Like, that's what I... <laughs> Because I had grown, you know, I was taller than my relatives, you know, yeah. all the things that I remembered being certain distances after living in New York City, the huge yeah. city, everything in Yerevan, I'm from the capital, um, okay. was so much closer together. Oh, you know, it's like, oh, what I thought was like this long walk to the metro station. It's not that long, <laughs> you know. Um, so people were smaller. It, it was a unique experience. That's fantastic. Wow. So what, what about what about coming up in the future other than than becoming an American citizen? Do you what, what, what's what's on your what's on your plate for the near future? What, really what like kind of doing do what I'm doing, um, doing what I'm doing. It would be nice if we start getting live performances back a bit more often, yeah. you know, yeah. but that's probably the whole entire world's concern. Um, <laughs> And it, they're coming coming back slowly. Yeah. I have some concerts in Miami, maybe Texas, maybe uh, Virginia, in uh, Nevada and stuff. So they're they're coming back slowly. Um, I'm, I I love teaching, so I'm gonna continue teaching. What would be nice if I had the time to make those YouTube videos a bit more frequently. Right. Um, I, it would be ideal to do it once a month. But sometimes when the piece I want to do is a massive piece. Like the last one I put up was the Bach second Blue Suite, which is 20 minutes of music. It took me a while to learn it and to like polish it. So yeah, obviously yeah. when you just do something like that, you can't do it on a monthly basis. Right. So hopefully in 2022, I can do more often, like maybe shorter pieces. And are you, are you booking all your concerts yourself or do you have somebody helping you with that? Mostly it's, it's, it's me. I don't, work. Yeah, I don't yeah. have a booking agent. Um, yeah, no, I mean, yes, there's a lot of emails. But at the moment, I don't really, like, I'm not constantly seeking performances. Like, I'm not constantly emailing everyone. Okay. Um, usually, like, if someone invites me, it's directly with me, and I will, I will be communicating. But the amount of invitations I get, so, my, so for now, it, I'm happy with it. Nice. You know, okay. I'm having about like ten to twelve concerts a year, which is yeah. not a lot. That's, that's um, I think that's fantastic. I mean, that, yeah, that, I just that, that I love performing a, and I love pretty high percentile actually. I mean, I don't, I don't think most guitarists play. Well, some people that, that's all they do, right? Like they play concerts all the time. And yeah, but that, I think that's that's like the top, like just the, the upper. Crust, I could go up to you know. twenty and be happy. Yeah. But after 20, what happens is, let's say I had thirty concerts a year or forty concerts a year, we only you, have you travel all the time. Yeah, That's yeah. the thing, yeah. And I love traveling. It's just you end up spending so much of your time in transit where, like, oh. it's just this blank time of you going to the airport, waiting, sitting on a plane, waiting, mm -hmm. you know, to do things for that one-hour performance. And it's great when you're there. You meet wonderful people. You play the concert, which is awesome. You teach, which is also awesome. But then again, blank time in transport. Yep. 
um, and when we have 52 weeks in a year or whatever, and if let's say 30 of them, concerts happen on the weekends, also concerts don't happen equally spaced throughout the year. Mm -hmm. You have a very heavy like fall and spring and a right. light winter and summer. That means like you're gone every weekend, really. Yeah, and I did that for a little while. There was a, a couple of years where I had concerts basically every weekend. You fly on Thursday, you play a concert Friday, teach Saturday, fly Sunday, come mm -hmm. home. Fly Thursday. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, I you, you don't end up having like a personal life. You don't end up having like your, you see your, your friends, right? Like it's just you constantly going out. So that's why like oh, 15... <laughs> Oh, your plans? Oh, I, I killed a succulent, okay? I killed a succulent. No one ever should give me a plant. It was a, I moved to this apartment about a year ago, and my friend uh, gave me a succulent. And I, she's like, hey, it's unkillable. I'm like, mm, just wait, just wait. And it died. It totally died. I did water it, but I didn't like the water I gave it. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's for that. Like it's it's great for travel and stuff, but yeah. after a while it gets old. And not even the destination. Well, it, has to, it has to be a balance, doesn't it? You mm -hmm. know, it's like, you know, you can you can really enjoy traveling, but if if you're gone it's all, all the, the time, time, it's that's no You know, you have to kind of think like how many like you have so many years on the planet, right? And if you're spending so much of it on a plane, and yeah, yeah. I can read on a plane. Maybe I can answer emails or watch a movie. I can sleep on a plane. That's all I can do. I can't sleep. On a plane. <laughs> it's just like the suspension in time where you yeah. can't live your life because you're in the middle of going places. That's why a nice balance of enough performances where it still keeps me on my toes, where I have to practice. I wouldn't want to quit that part yeah. um, and just do teaching. I that would not be. It's also I think. You have to perform to be able to teach well too. Sometimes I, I, I you understand. I very much, yeah, yeah. You Get know, honest, you know, in both, yeah, in both directions. Yeah, otherwise you forget it, what it feels yeah. like to be on stage. How are you going to explain it to a student if you right. haven't been on stage for I don't know three decades? <laughs> so, um, yeah. So so far, it would be nice if it goes up to like that fifteen to twenty range. But I don't constantly like write. If it comes my way, I take it. If it doesn't, I'm like, ah, whatever. <laughs> and how much teaching are you doing these days? I teach what I would, I don't know, like 20, 24 mm -hmm. students a, uh, a week. Um, some students are. No, um, I only have one one girl I teach, a 16-year-old girl who's awesome. Um, she's the only one who comes here because it's just more convenient. I teach in person now that it started um, in Manhattan. And I rent a, like a studio on an hourly basis. Oh, okay. And we meet at the studio um, for that hour. It's convenient for everybody else because Queens yeah, is not yeah. central. Manhattan is of where course, like, right. everything yeah, yeah, goes. Yeah. So, and also it's like my students are amazing, but it's my apartment. Like, and it, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't want everyone coming in here. It's it's just uh, it's less professional. You know, it's like this is my home. I want it to be my home. Um, so we meet at a professional like a studio where it's central for everyone. Um, they would feel more comfortable. I feel more comfortable. Sure. That's in person. And then I teach a lot of on Skype, okay. even more so now. I did that before the pandemic, but even more so oh, did now. You? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and people from all over the country or? All over the world. All over the world? Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Well, English speaking. It has yeah, to yeah. be. I don't. I speak Russian and Armenian, but okay. I don't have the teaching vocabulary in both those languages because I don't teach in those languages. Do yeah. Yeah. yeah um, oh. So it, it, as long as it's an English-speaking person. I have a student in Austria. Um, it's not an English-speaking country, but he speaks English. So. Um, Australia, 
England, um, Ireland. And are these just people that, that found you through your YouTube videos and what, whatnot? Yeah. And... Most, oh, wow. I would say almost all of the students that I have now, they're someone who has watched my YouTube videos, liked what I, what they saw, yeah. how I was teaching, and then contacted me contacted for you lessons. directly. You, you are the yeah. consummate modern teacher. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I, I, a lot of us are doing it that way. Yeah. So like, how how, um, how do you work it out? I mean, it's such, such a silly and practical question, but it's something that I've dealt with. Because with, I've, I've, I've had students who were studying with me locally and then moved and wanted to continue to study from yeah. different time zones. And what a challenge that, that can be sometimes. You mean you know? the time zones? Oh, yeah. I'll tell you. Try teaching from Australia. So yeah. <laughs> different hemisphere. So yeah. their whole entire like daylight saving standard time thing is backwards. And right. then just us being in the United States where we do change our daylight savings times at a different time from the rest of the world. Yeah. So you got this. I remember. Luckily, she really liked midnight lessons because wow. um, I had a student in Australia where in the summers when they were on their winter time and we were in our summertime, <laughs> our time difference was 16 hours, 16 hours. So uh -huh. it would be... I believe one o'clock for her in the morning and it would be nine o'clock for me in the, in the morning. Like, yeah, something like that. I think can't remember wow. properly. I kept my 9am and for her it was, yeah, no, makes sense. Yeah. If it was 16 yeah. hours, one o'clock for her. Right, at night. And she preferred it that way. <laughs> if we had switched it where I was teaching in the evening and she was doing in the morning, it would yeah. have been a more reasonable time for, for her. But she she wanted the opposite. So, But then what happens is for like one or two week period in October where the rest of the world changes to standard time or daylight saving. So Australia goes forward an hour because it's summer. But yeah. we haven't gone back an hour yet because right. it's not it's because U.S. <sighs> wants to be different. It's 15 hours. And then another week passes and like, oh, U.S. decides like it's time to do standard time. <laughs> then it's 14 hours. <laughs> and then you repeat that in the spring in the opposite direction. Right. It, it, you have to be really like, careful. That sounds like somebody's missed a lesson to me. That's <laughs> like, oops. That's happened before. Actually, it never happened with her because I think it was so complicated that we were sure, really on top of it. it but yeah. it happened to me with European students because I forgot to warn them to check yeah. the time because oh I can't gosh. adjust it on my end. On my right. end, I have it scheduled because uh, I have a few students in a row. I can't just adjust. So the student has to adjust for that one week thing where the time is different. They have to adjust on their end. Do you, I do forgot you find to that warn you're teaching them. All over different times of the day or do you keep keep all your lessons no, I try to like, keep it yeah. it used to be like that when I didn't have much of a choice you just do whatever is convenient for the student but when it gets to be where there's so many of them yeah. it's impossible to accommodate everything so I I try to do them that they're all in a row so that I don't have like sometimes sometimes it happens where they're scattered all over the day but it kind of ruins your whole entire day you yeah, can't do anything right like, and it happens practice, yeah, yeah it still happens um I try to really make it so that it's like four hours in a row maximum I won't go five hours because I need a break at some point right. so four hours in a row and then maybe a lunch break and then another four hours and another two hours so I try to keep them concise as a standard time now if someone needs to reschedule for whatever reason i'll obviously accommodate if i have that because if it's a one one-off kind of thing where my schedule is messed up that's not a problem but to set it up as your regular that would be unmanageable it would be i would not be able to like practice or or run or like anything so i try to keep it same 
are you do you have days that you're just doing your in-person teaching in, in Manhattan and then other days that you're um, doing Skype teaching or do you mix it up? I just Skype in the morning and then in person in the afternoons on okay. the day for it's gonna change it always changes but like right. starting in January Wednesdays and Thursdays those are the only two days I teach in person so I'll teach okay. Skype in the morning in person in the afternoon both days yeah. um before it was like Thursdays and Fridays. Now it's going to be Wednesdays right. and Thursdays. I try not, in Manhattan, it has to be all in a row because I'm not going to go into Manhattan right. one hour. Not, it, yeah. It'll take three hours out of my day for one hour <laughs> lesson. It has to be a few students in a row for me to go into the city. Um, but when I was like, when I was younger, <laughs> when I was younger and I didn't have like the control over my schedule yet because there were just not that many students or just it was impossible, I was constantly running around. Yeah. And I used to, like, also when I was a lot younger, I used to go to people's apartments. I was going to ask about that, yeah, because I, I know, know some anymore. people in New York that teach, and they, that's all mm -hmm. they do. And I, 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 I used can't to even that, imagine yeah. that. Oh, my god! And gosh. it was fine when you have fewer students, and you're younger, and you kind of, like, also need the students, so you accommodate. But there comes a point where you're too old for it, and you have enough students, and what's actually maintainable is not, not running around between apartments. So... You can also afford to to, to uh, hire the studio so that they come to right. you as a central location. So I no longer go to people's apartments. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> and so if they want, they're going to find a different teacher. <laughs> you <Yeah. know? laughs> Fantastic. That's great. Um, what about recordings? Do you, have, do you have recordings available? Are you planning on doing any recordings yeah, coming have, up? Um, or what's, what's the story there? I have two CDs out. One is okay. old. One is, uh, they're, they're all on my website. If people went to goharvardanian.com, everything they want to know about Thank me will be there. Thank you for mentioning that I'm really bad about telling people. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> you <laughs> asked, so I'm going for it. Um, I recorded, the newest CD I recorded uh, at the beginning of 2020, and it came out okay. in May 2020. Pretty so new, yeah. that's also like, if people want a physical copy, they can order from my website. I will be the one sending it to them. And if they want it signed, it'll be signed. Um, but they can they can also just get the download, MP3. Yeah. They're not available on Spotify or any, like, streaming thing. It's a, okay. out of principle. <laughs> so, yeah, um, but, yeah, so on my website. So, yeah, there's there's two CDs. The first one, unfortunately, I no longer have physical copies because it's really old. It's, like, um, almost 10 years old at this point. And... When I first made it, I made a thousand copies. Um, right. But after ten that's years, what you did. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I kept like maybe five or so for myself that I will never sell, just to have like a memory of the physical copy. Some of them are actually already opened and stuff. So, but the new one, plenty of copies. Yay! <laughs> no, no, plan, yeah. no plans to do. A, I think the next CD will not be physical because. Right don't have cd players like even right. i made this i know i'm gonna have lots of cds under my bed for like a long time because <laughs> most people get downloads right, i right. i don't have a cd player i yeah. have um all of the apple stuff that doesn't have cd players mm -hmm. i had to buy an external dvd cd burner thing um which is ironic because to make my cd i yeah. had to use it to burn a copy to test yes, that everything's yes. running well before i could submit it right so yeah. <laughs> like crap i don't have a cd I, player but I thank god exactly i had exactly what you're talking about <laughs> Thank God I have like that one external disc I bought seven years ago. I've used it three times in the last seven years to create more CDs that people can't right. use. So <laughs> it's a strange world we live in right now. So the next one would probably be only for digital download. And where uh, do you record? I record right here. Um, awesome. 
Yeah, so the this CD that that's the newest one, it was and the previous one was recorded in my old apartment, which wow. was way quieter. It yeah. was on a ground floor, it had like um a backyard and a and a front like car yeah. driveway. So I didn't have street noise. If I closed the windows it'd be fine. With this apartment it's a little trickier. Um so if I wanted to like all the YouTube recordings and stuff, I have to really time it well because yeah, yeah. we were talking earlier. The jackhammers, I, I I heard it. <laughs> and yeah, and believe me, the, I have Neumanns. I record with Neumanns. They will pick, okay. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I have to do it in the evenings when it's quieter or on a Sunday. Not a, not yeah. So I have to find the time where it's quiet. Sure. But I do it in the apartment. Um, I have like lots of carpeting and stuff. All the reverb is artificial. I don't have like a a big space but it turns out okay like most people who have heard it they've liked the sound and they were kind of surprised that it was done at home um so I'm it's, not... it's really possible now you know yeah. it, 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 it wasn't always that way but it's 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 amazing you have the professional equipment and also i'm just one person right all i need right. is a stereo pair microphone an interface and a software that records it i use logic I have the the Focusrite interface that just two inputs. All I need mm -hmm. is two inputs. It's just me. Um, yeah, and then the rest of it, I like technology. I like playing with it. I like learning about yeah, it, how yeah. to use it. You have to be um, like a perfectionist kind of person because mm -hmm. if you, I did all the editing myself, so you have to have the personality to do it yourself. Some people give up. They become overwhelmed. Uh, for me, it's fun. It's a lot of work, yeah. It's a lot of, yeah, it's a lot of work. First, you have to play, but that's something you do your entire life. So that's okay. But then you have to learn how to edit. You have to be picky, make decisions. So if you don't like it, it's not for you. But if you yeah, like yeah. doing it, it is possible to do it did all you, by yourself. Did you learn that? Like on the, as you were doing it, was that kind of like yeah. a learn by doing thing for you? Yeah. It was, yeah. The first CD I was using, um, I actually used the Sony recorder. Like, you know, they have the Zoom recorders yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have the Sony version, which is no uh -huh, longer in, uh -huh. um, it's not available anymore, it's discontinued, but I still have it. it that's what my first one was done with. And I used right. SoundForge, Sony SoundForge okay, to edit. Oh, sure. That was yeah. a little bit of a nightmare to edit because I had to cut the waves, make sure I cut them at the right place. And then uh -huh. when I link together, the wave continues so there's no clicking and stuff. With Logic, way easier because yeah. when you record right onto the computer through the interface, you can do multiple takes and it'll... Mm -hmm just stack everything together and of course you have to adjust where it is because it's classical right. music i'm not going to play exactly the same way to a click track so the rubato might be different each time so when i edit i can't just randomly like oh this section this section this section i have to move yeah. that section align all the waves but it's easier and it does oh, the cross wave cross fade right away so i've never had issues with clicking because it it just fixes everything for me so it's easier and anything you don't know you just youtube Right. <laughs> Literally, like any question yeah. of how to use something, you will find someone who has a in-depth tutorial on it. Yeah, I, I, I switched this year from using Pro Tools for about twenty years to uh, to going to Logic. Okay. And that's exactly never used Pro did. Tools. When whenever whenever I had a question about anything, I was like, oh, mm. Mm, somebody, yeah, just Google it, and there it is. So yeah. It was a little <laughs> annoying. I had the Sony SoundForge, which I was happy before. I was using PC computers. This is like yeah. seven years ago. And then when I switched to a Mac, also seven years ago, I bought the Sony SoundForge for Mac. Right. And then they updated to Catalina, and oh, that software right. doesn't work with mm -hmm. it. So I got so mad. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do everything Apple. I don't care. I was already using I, I went deep into the Apple ecosystem. Drank the Kool-Aid. I drank the yeah. Kool-Aid because 
I was so frustrated that software that I paid for, it was like, I don't know, it wasn't that much. It was $200. It wasn't oh, like, I know, no I know exactly what you're saying. But it just yes. doesn't work when you need it. Yeah. So Final Cut, I was already using. As soon as I switched to Apple, I was using Final Cut. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do Logic as well because they are responsible for it now. If they update and it's not working with their operating system, it's their fault. You know, it's not like they're communicating or not communicating yeah, okay. with Sony. So um, I'm happy with it. it. Whatever I need to do, Logic does everything I need to do. So yeah, that's great. That's 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 really awesome. <laughs> Gar, is there, is there anything else do you think we should talk about? Any any? Uh, I can't what, think. What of do you do that's not guitar related? You mentioned running. Related. I run um, because my job is sedentary. Whether I'm practicing or teaching, yeah. and if I don't run, I will not fit through the door. So <laughs> I run for that, and also just overall health, right? Like you can't yeah. just it and not move how, um, how is it running in new york that, that, that must be i only run outside i don't like treadmills so yeah. i'll run outside it's nice it's concrete mostly you run on concrete but i'm, I'm lucky because i have a waterfront very close to me so oh, excellent i'll just run um to the water it's about two miles and then i'll run by the water so i make like a four Fantastic. mile run um sometimes i'll go to central park and loop the central park loop which is like six miles so i'll do that for exercise um other than that, like I don't really have any hobbies because I feel like all the extra stuff that we do for our uh -huh. job, like practicing is the practicing and then there is teaching. OK, right. but even like editing, making thumbnails, YouTube videos, recording, all of that is like extra things that is uh, in place of a hobby. It takes time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I don't really have hobbies because I would feel guilty. Like, I don't know drawing if I could be practicing instead of drawing. <laughs> I wanted to learn how to draw. And I did for a little while, but I realized like pencil drawing takes forever. And yeah. then you're like, oh crap, I have to practice. So <laughs> I'll read, I'll read. And then, yeah. Mostly my free time is spent with people because yeah. also what we do is also isolating. You're always by yourself. And since I'm the loner who doesn't play with other people, <laughs> so my <laughs> my person, people requirements are, are, are fulfilled friends. Yeah. That's fantastic. And, and killing succulents. <laughs> and killing succulents. Because, yeah. Speaking of, I probably will water it after our conversation. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thank um, you for having me. We really went over today. Like, I hope you're you know, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's easy for it to happen. You know, it's, it's it, yeah, I, I always wonder if, if people are, what are we going to talk about? And it always goes, you know, people like to talk and it's an interesting thing. It depends on a person. I've, I've yeah. heard some podcasts where I feel like the, the interviewer is pulling teeth with the interviewee. <laughs> it's like, it's painful. I'm like, wow, okay, can you share something, please? <laughs> I've I've been pretty lucky, but you know I, I yeah, think uh, I think guitarists are a, it's a we're a special lot of people, and, and yeah. there's, there's so many interesting stories, and, and uh, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm I'm a I'm a naturally curious person, so I I I, I can always find questions to ask. You know, so. Well, that, that's important too, because you, you like it was so easy to talk with you because you had like questions to ask, and it, like it it just flows. I've done interviews where the questions are like. <laughs> Like, Should just, I ask the question like, myself? <laughs> no, it's like, it's very, yeah, exactly. It's, it doesn't flow because it didn't had nothing to do with the previous thing. So it's like um, a questionnaire you're trying to fill out. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So. No, but awesome. thank you for having me. It was great. Yeah, it was it was it was it was great, and I, I'll be in touch about when when the episode comes out and everything. And, great. Uh, yeah. And we'll get you back sometime and, and catch up and see see what's happening. Sounds wonderful. Yeah, thank you so much.
This is Carl Wolwind of Columbus Classical Guitar. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Guitar on My Knee podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit columbusclassicalguitar.com or Carl Wolwind Guitarist on Facebook. <laughs>